This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Some are saying it represents the most significant moment of his presidency. Donald Trump is withdrawing the U.S. from an Obama-era nuclear agreement with Iran. His allies have been voicing their opposition to and regret for this decision, including Canada's Foreign Affairs Minister Christian Freeland and Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Joining me to break this all down is Siraj Hashmi from the Washington Examiner and public affairs analyst and conservative political commentator Michael Tobe. I think we're still waiting on Siraj, but we've got Michael. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Jane. Let's talk about this in terms of layman's terms, Michael. Sure. Um, what this deal was all about, this deal from 2015, and how it was designed to limit Iran's nuclear capabilities. Well, although I'm not sitting in front of it, basically the, the grand scheme of things is when U.S. President Barack Obama signed this agreement with Iran, as you said, about three years ago, the theory was that, the United, that Iran was going to stop its nuclear weapons program and, more importantly, would stop the process of enriching uranium, which is obviously the main component to create nuclear weapons, such as a nuclear bomb. There were other components with it, but those were the main ones that most people were hoping that the U.S.-Iran nuclear deal would actually uh, fulfill. The problem is, although a lot of Western countries, you know, mostly based on their self-interest, including countries like France and others, were supportive of it and wanted to ensure that this deal stayed through, which they never acknowledged was perfect, never admitted was perfect, but said it was the best thing they could hope for. And while obviously there have been various assessments written by organizations like the IAEA, which deals with atomic energy capacity, stating that Iran, quote-unquote, followed most of the principles and part of the, most of the arrangements that were part of the deal specifically, there have also been a lot of foreign policy experts, political experts, and others who have directly said, quite frankly, that Iran basically didn't follow much of anything, mm-hmm. and that in private, a lot of things have still been going on. It really comes down to, Jane, whether you trust the Iranian government, whether you trust the mullahs who are part of the uh, Islamic Supreme Council, who basically runs the country overall, whether you trust their words that they were being honest, that they were following the deal forthrightly, and that they were going to ensure that nuclear weapons or the nuclear capacity of Iran would not be extended over a period of time. I never believed them. Quite frankly, a lot of other people didn't believe them. As I noted, a lot of countries that supported this deal, even noting its imperfections, had their own self-interest for various reasons, including relations, weapons, oil, etc. As well, based on the history of Iran since the uh, revolution in 1979, it's not really been basically in our interest or it's not been basically the way that we've operated as a world country, that being Canada, the United States, and other Western democracies, to necessarily do deals with the devil, so to speak, and trust everything that they do when there have been so many things that have come back to us in terms of 
links to terrorist organizations, human rights abuses, and so many other things that really it comes down to whether you actually believe that Iran was going to honor this deal. And I would question whether they ever did from the very start. And there's enough evidence out there that leads me to believe that they didn't. And that's why I supported U.S. President Donald Trump when he decided to withdraw from this deal, because it was terrible from the very beginning. It's terrible still today. And thank God it's going to be shredded pretty soon. Okay, well, now we've got uh, Siraj on the line uh, with the Washington Examiner, Siraj Hashmi. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Jane. So now that the U.S. is out... What does this mean for the 2015 deal? What does this mean for the relationship between the United States and its allies and the United States and the Middle East, uh, specifically Iran and uh, Israel, for that matter? Well, yeah, one of the things that um, that getting out of the deal really does is basically tip Trump's hat towards Saudi Arabia and Israel, two of the U.S.'s strongest allies in the Middle East. Um, in Saudi Arabia, when President Obama um, went through with that deal, that that kind of really set relations back back a little bit uh, with the Saudis, considering the fact that the Iranians and the Iranians and uh, the Saudis are seeking hegemony in the region, and essentially rolling back economic sanctions, and uh, you know basically giving sort of this preferential treatment um, to the Iranians. Um, but it didn't sit well with them. So I think the power structure has shifted a bit in the sense that the everyone's eyes are now focused on Iran, and um, if they make any wrong moves, they risk military conflict not only from Israel but also from the United States and Saudi Arabia. Um, and just to echo Michael's point with respect to trusting the Iranians, I mean, President Trump uh, may have had just a lower threshold for uh, getting rid of this deal, as opposed to former President Barack Obama, who had probably a very high threshold um, in terms of what the definition of violating the Iranian nuclear deal uh, actually meant to them. Right, so, because there's respect- there's some sort of issue with uh, the amount of, was it uranium produced? I read that somewhere this morning, that, that uh, Donald Trump was a bit disingenuous in the way he presented how the Iranians were dealing with uranium. Yeah, uh, so, the, and also you have to look at the, the Israeli intelligence findings from last week, mm-hmm. um, which I, it could have been the straw that broke the camel's back with respect to Trump's, uh, you know, stance on the issue, because, of course, he kind of delayed um, in, imposing more sanctions on Iran in January. And I, I, after speaking to a number of members in the U.S. Senate, um, they seem to be encouraged that that was the last time Trump was going to say that he was delaying imposing sanctions. So um, this has kind of always been in the wings. We kind of knew this was going to happen. And uh, it's very little surprise that uh, Trump went down this route. What would be a surprise, though, for Trump is that he then engages in escalating military confrontation with Iran, being that everyone has kind of focused in on him being more of an isolationist with his America first agenda. Right. Uh, Michael Tobe, uh, yeah. you being an expert from the Canadian point of view and having been an advisor to former conservative Prime Minister Stephen Harper, what mm-hmm. 
What is really in our best interest here as Canadians? Allies to the U.S., yes, but allies to the other countries now, uh, which are feeling alienated by Trump's decision to go back on a deal that everybody agreed on three years ago. Well, I mean, the Canadian government under Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has decided to march in lockstep with the rest of the world. And uh, Mr. Trudeau, Christia Freeland, the Foreign Affairs Minister, and others have expressed, as they stated, disappointment with the U.S. decision to withdraw from the Iran nuclear deal. And they're basically stating that they're continuing to be committed at least in terms of denuclearizing Iran in total. Now, naturally, they don't have a, p- a plan as of, of action as of right now, no more than, say, U.S. President Donald Trump does, that even though, as I said earlier, I favored uh, withdrawing the U.S. from this deal, there is no question that there is no second course of action. I mean, obviously, sanctions are a possibility. Mr. Trump suggested when he withdrew from the deal or made the public announcement yesterday that a renegotiation process was possible, Mm -hmm. although based on what we know historically about the ISC and the way Iran operates various political and economic affairs, that seems highly unlikely that it would happen. Although in this world, based on what we're seeing with North Korea, I guess anything is obviously possible. But for the Canadian government, they've chosen to go with world opinion. So they're going to stand in that direction. And that's not terribly surprising. Canada and the U.S. have obviously not always seen eye to eye on domestic issues, on economic issues, and obviously on foreign policy issues as well that relate to various interests within this country. And I, I guess for the Liberal government, I mean, I don't obviously agree with the fact that they're siding with others to sort of say that it was a mistake to leave this deal. But that's my own opinion. That's perfectly fine. But I think that most people, including your listeners, can recognize the fact that the the federal liberal government is not going to side with the United States unless things dramatically change. And as Siraj pointed out, I also believe that the information that came from Israel may have been the straw that broke the camel's back, Mm -hmm. based on the fact that there were just so many reports and so many bad things that were coming out of it. It almost seemed hard to believe that a, a U.S. government, including the one led by Mr. Trump, would actually just sit there and ignore it. I mean, there were just piles and piles of information. It was impossible to take a different position when you actually think about it. And Donald Trump had obviously said many times that the Iran nuclear deal was a complete mistake to sign and to get involved in. And irrespective of what his feelings are about former President Barack Obama, many other U.S. conservatives have supported Mr. Trump on that line that the, U- that the Iran nuclear deal was basically a disaster, literally from the very start. I- unfortunately, Canada is not going to march in lockstep with the U.S., and... Hopefully, but, but, but why you know, not? I mean, we'll, along, we'll see where it all leads. Well, sorry to interrupt you there. We are, you know, very good friends with Israel. We are very good friends with Ukraine. Why would we? Why would we not want to um, join in with the United States uh, against Iran? Which you know, we all know what's happening there with terrorism, and and that it's an incubation field for terrorism. I don't understand why we couldn't take that same stance. We could, but unfortunately we have a prime minister and a, and a government right now that actually does not believe in international intervention and, quite frankly, has not always sat with the United States on issues 
of, of international importance, of which I would certainly consider this being one of them. I don't think that Israel, for example, is necessarily going to look at Justin Trudeau as an enemy of the state, so to speak. But the closeness that he had with my old friend and boss, Stephen Harper, where in many ways Canada during that period of time probably became the closest friend and ally that Israel had for those few years. Yes. I think they realized that Trudeau is just obviously not going to be the same. He's going to look at things differently. Trudeau's obviously not anti-Israel. He's not anti-Jewish. No one's suggesting that. No. But his mindset is completely different that, no, quite frankly, I don't think he will align with Donald Trump on this deal. Siraj, back to you. How is this being seen in Iran? I mean, we already hear from uh, one of their prominent lawmakers that the country's parliament is moving to increase spending on its ballistic missile program. Is that early evidence that Donald Trump's stance is backfiring? Uh, it's it's interesting here because the Javad Zarif, the Iran, Iran's foreign minister, uh, before an announcement was made, was arguing that um, they would either that they would withdraw the, from the deal. Then after the announcement came out, is that they're going to try to uh, leverage their position or whatever position they have to try to convince both European and Asian leaders who are uh, part of the JCPOA um, to stay in the deal. So um, Iran is not really in a good position. They're probably in, in the most vulnerable position they've ever been in, and they're looking for sympathy. So right now. Um, I think I don't think the Iranian regime is uh, has a lot of room to work with, and spending their money on a ballistic missiles program right away. Um, you happen to think of the 150 billion dollars that President Obama sent them in exchange for uh, a number of hostages. Um, that money could very well be going to that. I'm not going to speculate as to say that it absolutely is, but. Um, they are trying to at least leverage their position as much as they possibly can. And it seems that, um, you know, President Trump is ready to act. And I think it's, um, it's going to be important that here that when I say that uh, Iran is going to go after ballistic missiles, Israel is basically has their, their foot on their throat. I mean, in mm-hmm. Syria right now, uh, the two countries are basically on the brink of war. Right. And uh, the the U.S. involvement in that, Michael Tobe, uh, is implicated as well, I suppose. Yeah, without question, I, I think it is. And look, it's obviously a very difficult situation, and I know a lot of people especially in our country, Jane, look at U.S. President Donald Trump and they say that he reacts uh, very quickly and basically just follows his gut and doesn't look at things properly, etc. And certainly there are examples of that, and that's with no disrespect to the president, who I've been both uh, positive and negative about. I try to be middle of the road about him, which I guess makes me somewhat unique in this country, but anyhow. Um, I think that overall, though, <clears throat> in this one case, there has been enough information and enough, shall we say, comments and commentary from knowledgeable individuals that no matter what Donald Trump's gut reaction was, he was actually very much in step with the way a lot of not just American conservatives, but also right-leaning liberals were looking at this issue, too. I think a lot of Republicans and Democrats in the U.S., even if they thought that, well, look, terminating the deal could be a huge mistake because we don't know what the future is like, 
behind the scenes, I think a lot of them recognized, based on the collection of information and observations that they had heard over the course of roughly three years, they realized that this deal has been literally lousy since the very beginning. And while the Trump administration may not have a next step as of yet, it, it just seems logical to move your best foot forward right now, get rid of this awful deal, and then sort of see where things go. I mean, could there be a war in the region? We've seen a war in the region before. I mean, Israel obviously went after Iran, I forget the year, 1981, 82, where they went after the nuclear reactor and, and blew it up. So we have seen an instance of that historically. Could we see it again? You know, obviously we don't want that. It's not the most desirable situation. But on the other hand, considering the way that the Iranians handle international affairs, I'll be fair about it. Don't be shocked if something does happen in the next few months or few years. Michael, thank you for your time. My pleasure. Take care. And Siraj, thank you as well. I appreciate it. Siraj Hashmi from the Washington Examiner and conservative political commentator Michael Tobe. I'm Jane Brown for Libby's Nimer, and coming up next on Fight Back, how far does an apology go in righting an egregious wrong? You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.